Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Talking Thematics, a series of conversations where we will discuss about future trends, big ideas or themes that will shape our investment future today and for many years to come. This is a special conversation where I will be hosting a fireside chat with a founder of an electric car company to understand their journey in decarbonizing, what are some of the challenges they face, and how they see the electric car industry evolving over the next decades. Here with me today, we have Henrik Fisker, who is an automotive industry veteran known for his iconic designs and leadership in electric vehicle. In 2016, Henrik co-founded Fisker INC, the world's first digital car company with the vision of a clean future for all and the mission of making the world's most sustainable vehicle. This year, Fisker designed Fisker Ocean, which is an all-electric SUV set to disrupt the automotive market through its unique design, extreme sustainability. We are talking about vegan interiors, massive solar roof, and affordability. So for those who have yet to see Fisker Ocean, it is truly a beauty. So welcome, Henrik, and thanks for joining me in this Fairside Chat. As many of us are aware, the automotive business is a multi-billion industry. It is highly competitive, and there are many large players competing for market share. So what inspired your journey to the setting up of this business? Well, my inspiration really uh, came from that I wanted to create the world's most sustainable vehicles, and I felt there was a lot of people who truly love cars, but they want them to be more sustainable. They want them to be part of our society. And, uh, you know, I spent many years in the traditional automotive business, and I knew that that would be a lot tougher to turn around, uh, where starting on a clean piece of paper, you have much more opportunities. So that's really what drove my inspiration. And quite frankly, it really got a kick when I saw Leonardo DiCaprio drive to the Oscars, I think it was back in 2006, in a Toyota Prius, and I thought, I'm sure he can afford a much cooler car. So that's kind of why I started out designing some cool electric cars. That's really great. I mean, uh, you talked about really cool-looking, well-designed cars with one which is sustainable and good to earth as well. And certainly climate risk is increasingly seen as a financial risk because now we have seen many governments and corporations around the world moving towards a net zero by 2030, 2040, depending on who they are. And certainly, climate risk is also a key driver of financial insecurity. And there's been a lot more pressure than before for companies to execute a meaningful net zero strategy to their shareholders. So perhaps you can also share with our audience in terms of your company's journey towards decarbonizing. What are, what are some of the strategies that you are undertaking to make sure that, you know, you limit your emissions and truly, you know, undertake this net zero journey? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there's, you know, at least five important elements in the automotive industry. There's the, you know, upstream sourcing, there's manufacturing, there's logistics, there's the use phase, and then there's recycling. And we are really attacking all these areas to make sure that ultimately our electric vehicles are way greener and better than the gasoline vehicles that people are using today. And for example, our first vehicle, the Fisker Ocean, is manufactured in a CO2 neutral factory in Austria, powered by hydro. Uh, we have gone out to our suppliers with very, very 
strong recommendations of how they should move forward quickly uh, to help us and the world uh, to become CO2 neutral. Uh, so we are working on all fronts, and I think the Fisker Ocean, when we launch it here in November, will be the world's sustainable vehicle. The automotive industry is undergoing rapid transformation today. Traditional automakers are accelerating plans to retire internal combustion engines and the development of new technology to support this transition to a lower carbon economy. Many people tend to focus on the development of electric vehicle, but the future of mobility is in fact shaped by a much wider ecosystem uh, with the challenges on how to build a cleaner car to using better lighter materials, uh, more efficient batteries in this transition to a cleaner future. So what do you see as some of the big challenges to the development within the EV industry and what keeps you up at night? Well, I think that the entire market is going to be shaped over the next two to three years. I think in 2025, we're going to see a dramatic change. Uh, there will be some companies will have taken a lot of market share. Hopefully, we will be one of them. So the most important thing for me right now is really two things. One is to create desirable product that is super competitive. And number two is to have access to manufacturing capacity. So if you're a startup, and you have to build factories, that will take a very long time. So we decided on an asset light business strategy, but we partnered up with our first manufacturing partner, which is Magna, which is the fourth largest automotive supply in the world, where we will be able to have hundreds of thousands of vehicles manufactured in an existing plant. And the second partner is Foxconn, uh, which have just acquired a very large, one of the largest factories in the U.S., where we also have uh, access to hundreds of thousands of manufacturing capacity. So our aim is to launch up to four cars before 2025 to make sure we can take a large market share. And of course, technology, uh, chips, et cetera, comes into play. But by having uh, strong partners so far, we haven't seen any issues from our side. We have also planned well. We have designed our vehicles in less than two and a half years, which means all our technology was chosen last year, which means we have the newest chip, the newest technology generally in the vehicle. So we're not so affected by all the supply chains to some of the, the traditional car makers. Well, you're talking about supply chain. There are many skeptics out there on whether electric vehicle is truly as green as one might expect. Because if you look at the cycle of uh, making electric vehicles, they can be quite pollutive. So if we look at batteries, that tend to be the largest component, and it, it is also made up of rare earth as some key, compon uh, key components to the manufacturing of uh, batteries. And let's also not forget that some of sometimes the infrastructure used to power these cars is also a key factor in greenhouse emission. So for the skeptics out there, what would you say to them to, to swing them over to your side? <laughs> Uh, you know, I've heard these, uh, uh, you know, comments for the last 10 years, but the truth is that there's been so much work done in all these areas. I mean, just alone, when we think about mining, I mean, mining is mining and we are doing it all over the world, whether it's for steel, aluminum, cobalt, lithium, and ultimately it, we have to find ways to do ethical mining. I personally sat on a mining company in Canada, which were all about ethical mining uh, for cobalt. And as it turns out, of course, uh, cobalt is a byproduct of m m mining today. So we already see that as we move into uh, better mining methods, we actually can do much better when it comes to mining. 
In terms of the rest of the process to make an electric vehicle, I would say we're in the early stages of electric vehicles. I expect within the next four to five years, it definitely will be way, way cleaner to make an electric vehicle. We also mustn't forget that it also is about new methods of how to be, what type of materials to be used in the vehicle. And then it's about how to be recycled, for example, the batteries. So at Fisker, we have created a uh, flexible lease where we own car for 12 years. We lease it out to multiple people and you can give the car back anytime. And in the end of 12 years, we'll take the entire vehicle and recycle it. So that alone is a huge difference to what happens today with gasoline vehicles. And of course, the issue with a gasoline vehicle in 12 years is that nobody's going to want to touch it because it's going to be worthless. So uh, electrification is the future. There's no way back. This giant ship has already turned to electrification. Now it's about who can get first to market with the best products. So it is not just about lowering carbon emissions. It is also about the use and circularity of materials that can contribute to the overall greenness of electric vehicles. And you're right. This tie has certainly sailed, and many governments today have mandated outright bans on traditional car sales over the next decade. So closer to home, um, the Singapore government has banned internal combustion engine from 2040. Uh, it's the same in Europe. The ban will take place by 2035. And a lot of progress has been made to encourage and incentivize the use of EV. However, one of the pushback I often get on EV is about its price point. So true, there's been a lot of improvements made to reducing the cost of EVs, its components and batteries over the past few decades. But the higher price point of electric vehicles have also often deterred greater adoption. So do you foresee this to change anytime? We are changing it. You know, the Fisker Ocean already is uh, comparable to a gasoline-powered car here in the U.S. It starts at $37,500, which is com- incredible competitive. I mean, that's cheaper than many mid-sized SUVs from, let's say, Germany, for example. Uh, but we're also coming out with a second vehicle called the Fisker Pair. Pair stands for Personal Automotive Electric Revolution. And we are getting that manufactured by Foxconn. And we're also working with Foxconn on supply chain and lowering the prices of specifically the tech components in the vehicle. And then we are looking at how to completely redesign the vehicle with lesser parts, simpler and faster manufacturing. And this vehicle will be one of the lowest cost or cheapest electric vehicles in the world when it comes out in 2024, starting well below $30,000. So I think we are already moving in that direction. I agree with you. You know, so far, most of the startups and even traditional car makers have started by making luxury EVs because it's easier. You don't have to think so much about reinventing the automobile. But the way we are thinking is we have to reinvent the automobile. If we want to put more expensive technology in the vehicle, we have to take cost out somewhere else. And that's what we are trying to do by reducing parts, uh, creating the vehicles in less than two and a half years and get that new technology to market. When you buy any car today, the technology in that car was chosen three, four years ago. That's why it feels older than your smartphone. <laughs> That's very true indeed. I think my phone has a faster, you know, more advanced technology than the average car out there. Now, I think on this point, maybe you can also share with us, because for some of the car enthusiasts out there, uh, they'll be probably very interested to know some of the fun facts about the model that you produce, for example, and your client interests around them. Maybe you can you know, share some of these uh, to our audience today. 
Yeah, so we decided we will only launch a vehicle if we can have at least three or four features that are either best in class or nobody else has. So, for example, on the Fisker Ocean, we have, for a production car, the world's largest solar roof, uh, which can give you several thousand kilometers or miles a year. Uh, we had to actually uh, invent a unique device to be able to charge our high-voltage battery and also charge the vehicle while it's shut down, because if you think about it, if the vehicle is shut down, how would it charge? So we had to invent that. Secondly, uh, we have a 17.1-inch screen uh, that we actually have created in a way where you can push a button and you can actually rotate it so you can both watch it as a television or play games while you're charging. Then we have torque vectoring. I just came back from Italy where I actually test drove on Bridgestone Test Track, our vehicle, and torque vectoring it makes you feel like a Formula One driver because it really adjusts the wheels to your driving, so it gives you amazing ride and handling, something nobody else have in our price class. It's normally for more expensive uh, uh, sports cars. And then finally, uh, we have something we call the California mode, which for the push of a button, uh, seven windows rolls down. So the side windows, which we call doggy windows, which means your dog can stick the snout out and get some fresh air, and the rear window rolls down as well as the roof opens up. So we have created a lot of exciting things in this vehicle that it's more fun to drive. That's really awesome. And I think it will be very suitable for such a sunny place like Singapore where we have sunshine all year round. So that solar panel on top will certainly go a long way to mitigating whatever fuel prices that you have to spend or even charging of the car. Now, um, many of our audience here with us today are also entrepreneurs, are also business owners. So perhaps you can also share with them um, what you deem as your greatest success and all the learnings you might have as well, given your long years in, in the business and the automotive industry. I'm sure they'll be very, very interested to hear from, learn from experience. Well, I think I'll start with the latter and end on a good note. I think the big <laughs> learnings was when you're in such an innovative, disruptive business, you have to really think about your supply chain. So, for example, we chose the world's largest battery uh, company for our new vehicles, uh, CHL. Whereas in the first vehicle we did several years ago, uh, we had used a uh, startup battery company and they failed and went bankrupt and we couldn't continue. So that ultimately led to the downfall of, of our first uh, venture. And, and that lessons learned, there's really to bet your supply chain in, in high, high detail. Secondly, I would say maybe the biggest success so far is the fact that we were went public in 2020 in the middle of COVID. And we raised over $1 billion. And in the meantime, we raised another $600 million as well. So we are very well capitalized. We got an amazing CFO that keeps the war chest of money. Uh, so we ended last year with over a billion. Uh, and we have now three vehicles under development. So I think that uh, the way we have kept our capital stayed lean, and of course, that's part of our lean business model. We don't have to operate factories. So we are a little bit more like Apple Foxconn, if you want versus a traditional car company. So I think that's something I'm very proud of. Great. Those are great insights. And I'm sure many of our audience will appreciate uh, your, your sharing as well. So thank you very much for joining us today, Henrik. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please do like, share and subscribe to this podcast. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.